Uh, as we get started with a brand new series today, I want to tell you about a blessing that my wife and I have had over the last two years, but uh, just recently, um, over Memorial Day weekend, after church was uh, finished up on that Sunday, we uh, literally let, let, left the parking lot and headed toward Van, Texas to drop three of our kids um, off at Sky Ranch Summer Camp. It is a Christ-centered camp, for those who don't know. Um, that uh, we recently had the, the opportunity to discover the blessing that Sky Ranch is and like many other summer camps that are centered on Christ. And um, as we uh, have been um, in the presence and, and interacting with their leadership at Sky Ranch uh, the last two years, Manny and I have realized what fools we were as college students not to uh, go back and serve and lead in a place uh, like these fine gentlemen here beside my son Evan as counselors. This place is eccentric um, for the gospel, and um, they, they bring a whole new level to enthusiasm to the degree that you can't, and they don't, uh, say that they're excited. It's a whole new level that demands its own phrase, and they declare it in this way, we're excited, right? See what I did there? Sky Ranch, they're excited. Uh, but I'm telling you, this place is just, uh, it, it's such a blessing in so many ways. Uh, they are very much centered on uh, the value and God's plan for family. And so as a summer camp, they're not just there to, uh, to receive your kid and to minister to them and, and to see them return next summer as if uh, nothing has transpired in, uh, in between uh, those two opportunities. But they actually are about the process of equipping families, parents, uh, to lead their children spiritually throughout the year in between uh, uh, camp sessions. And so uh, that's just one more reason why we value Sky Ranch and what they're doing. Uh, two weeks ago, when we dropped our three older children off, um, we, we wrestled, as many parents uh, do, with the balance that's to be had between uh, leading your children, right, and, and as their uh, provisional oversight, right? Um, doing some things for them because they're not yet capable to do them themselves. And then also along the way, equipping them and instilling in them the responsibility of ownership so that when they emerge and fly from this nest uh, in our home, that we are able to see them be successful as citizens and partners in the body of Christ. So um, as we wrestle with that reality in our own family, we um, said that this week at, at summer camp is a great opportunity to just see how well we're doing as parents. Evan is uh, almost 10 years old, and he went into uh, Sky Ranch that uh, Sunday afternoon, knowing he was going to be there through Saturday morning of that same week. He went in with a certain balance of funds on his account. He could buy snacks, he could buy souvenirs, he could buy gifts um, with those funds, but we had encouraged the, him as, and, and his sisters that went with him as parents. We had encouraged them, here is how much you have, here is a reasonable and appropriate amount to spend each day, and if you have anything left at the end of the week, feel the freedom to spend it on souvenirs or gifts to bring back with you to remember your fantastic week at Sky Ranch. Well, through the beautiful convenience of technology, right, um, mom and dad have the capacity to observe 
the transactional history for your children miles away from the summer camp that they're experiencing. You can see what they're purchasing, how much they're purchasing it for, and you can even see when they're making those purchases. So we dropped Evan and Eden and Emerson off on Sunday afternoon. And the next morning before lunchtime, Evan had already purchased a delicious, warm, soft-baked pretzel, a push-up ice cream cone, a bottle of sour spray, and a postcard. I'm sure to write to mom and dad and let us know how much fun he was having and that he needed some more funds sent his way. But all of this was between breakfast and lunch, and he did eat breakfast that morning. Needless to say, mom and dad went back to the drawing board to reevaluate how well we were doing and instilling for Evan the opportunity to budget and to be a good steward of the resources that had been trusted to him. So on Wednesday morning, by lunch, Evan was drawing near to depleting his complete financial account. And he still had two and a half days yet to experience the beauty of camp. Evan, Wednesday afternoon, as he took his goods that he was purchasing or thought he was purchasing in the gift shop and in the cafe, took them to the counter to make the transactional purchase. And they scanned his bracelet. He heard the words that deflated his spirit so tragically. You have insufficient funds to make the purchase you are attempting to make. I love this. Um, th- this is God's sense of humor. Um, the, the camper award that Evan received this year at Sky Ranch, I don't know if you can read it there, is the generosity award. Um, and he was quoted as saying to his counselors in their devotional reflective time that, that if God ever granted him a, a, a wealthy load of money, right, that he would use it benevolently to bless other people. Uh, we, we, we have miles to go. Pray for the Godwins as we parent um, all of our children, but specifically Evan, and being a good steward of the resources that God has entrusted to him so that, so that one day that vision and dream of generosity will actually be a reality for others and not just for himself. <laughs> but uh, those words that Evan heard is really what I want to pivot on this morning You don't have enough. You don't have enough. Some of us are are in the boat this morning where uh, we actually hear and heard those words personally in the same sense that Evan did, that financially there's just not enough in the account to conduct the transaction that we're attempting to make. And financially we're experiencing an insufficiency of funds. But some of us are experiencing that insufficiency in other areas of life. As parents, the insufficiency of wisdom to pour into your children so that they emerge and become the people that God has created them to become. The insufficiency of energy to endure the race that you are on. The insufficiency of skill to see the task before you through to completion. The insufficiency of relationships to make sure that you have the support and encouragement to see you through on this 
journey of life. Many of us are very familiar with this idea of insufficiency in one area of our lives or another. And I look with great comfort through the pages of Scripture to find the reality that God made a pattern of using people with insufficiencies, and I would like to borrow another term that means the same thing this morning, inadequacies in areas of their life to be a critical and transformational part of his plan here on earth, all throughout pages of Scripture, starting with Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. Abraham and Sarah had, had an abundance. They were very adequate in age, but not so adequate in the way of reproduction and fertility. And God had made a specific promise to and through Abraham that he would multiply and fill the earth, and he would be a blessing to all the people that, that were under his umbrella of genealogy. God used Abraham and Sarah in their inadequacies to bring great glory to his name. Looking at Moses as Moses, who was inadequate as a communicator and a leader, had been ordained and appointed by God to lead the, the exodus of the nation of Israel from the rulership of the nation of Egypt under the directorship of Pharaoh, where the nation of Israel had been enslaved for 400 years. And, and God raised up Moses, who was inadequate, and he says, Moses, I need you to lead these people out. As I direct you, you direct them. And so they begin the journey, and Moses is heading out through uh, the, 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 the wilderness of Egypt, and he, and he runs headlong into the, the banks of the Red Sea. And Moses and the whole nation of Israel begin to, begin to contemplate what are they going to do, where, what are their next steps going to be, and they look over their shoulder and they, Scripture says they begin to feel overwhelmed because of a, the feeling of being overtaken by the approaching Egyptian army. And God says, Moses, raise up your staff and extend your arm over the waters and I will make a way where there is no way. God used the inadequacies of Moses to bring great glory to his name and great good for the people who followed him. And I think about little David, right? His inadequacy as a warrior, as a, as a soldier in an army. And God said, you know what? I need someone who can, who can stare eye to eye or maybe eye to knee, at the giant of Goliath and see me do what only I can do because someone is willing to submit and surrender their inadequacies to the plan that I have to accomplish through their life. And so as I look through the reality that inadequacies plague our lives, I find, first of all, great comfort in the reality that God uses inadequate people to see his plan come to completion here on earth. In Acts chapter 1, we see that um, the resurrected Jesus, right? The, the, the one who had been crucified, dead, and buried, and now risen again from the grave, is spending time with his disciples, the ones that he had spent years with, pouring into leading them along the way, giving them all they needed to know so that when he was gone, they could carry on to completion the ministry he was entrusting to them. And Jesus is spending some time with them before he ascends back to the Father in Acts chapter 1. And I want to read together this morning 
as we get started in this new series, beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love this very familiar passage in Acts chapter 1. On a brand new level this morning because of the, the, the freshness of the context found within it. I love the fact that, that Jesus, though he has um, been raised from the dead by the, the powerful Holy Spirit, is now spending time with his disciples because he is not yet done with them before he ascends to the Father. But while he is with them, he says some things that kind of raise some flags to those who are listening in. And you would think that as a disciple that it would kind of cue them to that something is about to happen a little bit differently than what they expected or anticipated. In Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What Jesus is telling his disciples in an indirect fashion this morning in Acts chapter 1, is that all the things that he has poured into them over the last three years is not enough. What Jesus was telling his disciples in Acts chapter 1 is that all of the places that they had been before this point in time was not enough. What Jesus was telling his disciples, that everything that he had trained them in, how to pray, how to, to fish when, when the fish weren't biting, where to go to, to escape the pressure of persecution, all of those things that he had instilled in them and developed them skillfully was not enough. He says in Acts chapter 1, there is more. There is more. There is more that you need before you go beyond where you've been. And you cannot, and therefore you should not, even attempt to tackle the journey before you without the gift upon you. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, but the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you will receive power. And you have to realize that, that for many of these people, when Jesus starts talking about Jerusalem, that was familiar territory. That was actually where the disciples had spent some time hiding because they had, uh, the, the, the Romans had just mur murdered his, their leader, Jesus Christ. 
And they knew beyond the shadow of all doubt that they had to be next in line. They had come after the leader, now they were going to be after them. And so they spent some time in hiding. And and, in in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, the tail end in Acts chapter 2, we find the the disciples in in a place of isolation because they knew in fear that something was out to get them. Says there's more. You cannot and you should not even consider the opportunity to go beyond. Jerusalem was familiar. Judea was a little bit more familiar, but not quite a little bit familiar, but not quite as familiar as Jerusalem. And Samaria, they, they, like the, the scriptures say that they passed through there one time with Jesus over the last three years, and, to, and then to the ends of the earth or, or in, and everywhere else. you got to think that these guys didn't have airplanes and, and, and motorcycles that they could just hop on and zoom across. The majority of their lives were limited to a geographical region that they could traverse a small territory feasibly by foot. And Jesus is telling these disciples, you're going to go and you're going to go well beyond wherever you've been. But there's more that you need. You'll receive power. What he's telling his disciples is, guys, I love you. We've spent some great times together. I've had a lot of of fun and and, and challenge in this earthly body to try and lead you to to the point that God has asked me and empowered me to lead you. But you are inadequate as you are. Now I want you to pause on that thought and that reality for Jesus and his disciples in Acts chapter 1. Because... They had a relationship and a connection to Jesus Christ. Amen? Like they, they had spent life following Jesus. Like that, that's all they had known for the last three years of their life was, was going where he said go, doing what he said do, and trying to, to see things transpire in such a way that this thing that they reference in Acts chapter 1 about the kingdom of God, because Jesus came talking about the kingdom of God, and these disciples envisioned a very much earthly kingdom, right, with, with rule and authority and dominion over a people and a place. And here they are in Acts chapter 1, and Jesus is telling them, Guys, I love you. I'm still with you for a little bit longer, but you are in Adequate. You're not enough. There's something more for you for what's beyond you. These guys would have been very familiar with the gospel. And that's for those who are joining us this morning. We're coming out of a series focused on the good news of the gospel message that Jesus came to bring us for the lives that we live now. And so I think it's perfectly appropriate that like the disciples, we're taking this journey. And Jesus is telling a church who's growing in familiarity with the good news gospel message, there is more to the journey before you. And you, with just what you have and what you bring to the table, is inadequate. Even if you're connected to him and have a relationship with him. The good news of the gospel as we talked a few weeks ago, is that through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus Christ has not left us without hope and without power. And we're beginning a series this morning as a powerfully made people through the presence of the Holy Spirit where we are actually trying to position ourselves in the place where God will pour out a greater measure of his strength and power in our lives and through our lives. But it all starts with that declaration that you are inadequate. It all begins there. And the world around us wants to echo that declaration that you are inadequate. You don't have what it takes. There's something more that you need. And so pursue with the rest of the world the perpetual cycle of self-development. Did you know that there are more self-help books offered through Amazon.com than any other genre of books out there? Our world is thirsty for the, the development and the, the help that we, were, we are born to crave. The thing that is not within us that we feel like we can just grasp at with our earthly hands and get better to do better along the way. But it all begins with the declaration that you are inadequate. You know, if we're not careful with that phrase... The enemy can make that a pretty dangerous declaration for us as the church. Amen? Because we can find ourselves in a place of defeat and despair. Thinking that because we aren't enough, that we'll never be enough. And, and, and in, the, in the hands of the enemy, that declaration becomes very, very destructive. You know, psychology in our modern world today indicates that this feeling and wrestle with this very, very familiar human emotion of not being enough is not so much an emotion as much as it is a thought. Because it begins as a thought and then it infiltrates our hearts and begins to convince us that this is then how we should live because of what we think is true. That because we aren't enough, then therefore this is how we live as if we're not enough. But Jesus Christ has come to flip the table in this conversation and give us the reality of a true statement that everything that he has come to bring to us and through us begins with the acknowledgement and the affirmation that you are inadequate. Because as much as the enemy wants that to be a place of defeat, Jesus has come so that that can be a place of victory. Amen? Because we can't experience the life for which we've been created until we acknowledge and agree with Jesus Christ that we are inadequate. And so... There, there has never been a more defeating statement than the reality of you are inadequate. But there has never been a more victorious and liberating statement that you are inadequate. Because Jesus himself had to come and die because of our inadequacies. And so when we can agree with Jesus 
that the whole reason that he was murdered on the cross was because of our inadequacies, then we begin to get somewhere in this journey of faith, in our connection with Christ, because there is more, and that's not it. And Acts chapter 1 tells us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's a beautiful, beautiful backdrop for this conversation that Jesus actually began way back in Matthew chapter 5. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, also known as, uh, for some of you as the Beatitudes, Jesus begins to um, communicate to his disciples in that moment and to the crowds pressing in about this inadequacy that we have and the dependence and the opportunity for more. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. See, Jesus begins to infiltrate to his disciples the idea of the kingdom But what they've missed along the way is that the kingdom doesn't come through riches and wealth and power and authority of their own accord. It comes through the acknowledgement and the affirmation that they don't have what it takes in and of themselves. And they are blessed in the spiritual realm when when they acknowledge their, their poverty and realize that they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Something that we need to hear as the church today is a truth that I pray you wrestle with in this moment and the moments before you this week, Shannon Oaks Church. That truth of this statement is this. Self-dependency is the enemy of supernatural. Supernatural in and of itself means that which is capable in the natural realm, right? Super means outside of or above and beyond. And our nature in our flesh is, yeah, I got this. I can handle this. Yeah, I'll just do what I can, and then I'll do a little bit better. And if I can't figure it out, dadgummit, I'll just YouTube it. I'll let Google tell me how to do what I need to do, how to get where I'm not, how to be who I'm supposed to be who I was created to be, to live the life that I was meant to live. Self-dependency is the enemy of the supernatural. Everything I read in the scriptures, Shannon Oak Church, says that we as the church are not a self-dependent people any longer. We have died to ourselves and we have been created to receive the gift of power that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are people who reconnect to God's presence, because without his presence, we don't stand a chance at fulfilling his plan or even hitting the mark of doing it for God's purpose, of bringing glory to himself and good to all of creation. I think about the Apostle Peter. Bless his heart. If there's anybody that followed Jesus that I feel like I can best connect with in the pages of Scripture, it's Peter. That guy, 
It's so easy for me to, through the pages and the lens of Scripture, to just chuckle at his inadequacies. But then I quickly realize, and the older I get, the more readily I quickly realize that I am Peter. I mean, he, he stepped out of the boat when all the other disciples stayed seated. And he said, Lord, I'm coming after you on top of the water. And he takes those steps. And then <laughs> he gets distracted by the wind and the waves, and down he goes. I think about how, how Jesus actually, in conversation with him, actually said, you know what? Get behind me, Satan. And I thought he was talking to Peter. But he was acknowledging that Peter is being used by the enemy to build a kingdom that is not from him. And then I think about how in that oh-so-pinnacle season, just before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when Peter says, Christ, I will never, Jesus, I will never deny who you are. I will stand with you and by you for all of eternity. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And just before that rooster crowed, that third denial came. And I'm thinking, Peter, come on, bro. I mean, you were walking with the Son of God. You told him that you loved him, and you said that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he replied and said, I'll build my church on that declaration of revelation from God. But Peter found himself like you and I do today. Wrestling with the reality that connection to Jesus just wasn't enough. There was more. In Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit of God fell upon those disciples who were gathered in the upper room. And it brought incredibly powerful transformation to and through the life of this man we just talked about, the Apostle Peter. Peter began to be confident in the purpose of God, the plan before him, and he knew that the presence of God had empowered him in such a way that nothing was going to stand in his way. As he preached messages, thousands came to faith. As he stood beside dead bodies, they came back to life. And over and over and over again, this inadequate follower of Jesus Christ, once he received the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit, then realized the life that he had been created to live. We are those people. We are the people who say to self-dependency, you have no place here. Because we are a people made for what is supernatural. I love in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power in the original language is dunamis. And it's the word, the word from which we get our word dynamite. 
right? You think about power, you think about explosion, you think about transformation, you think about something never being the same as what it once was after an encounter with dynamite, amen? There's some things about dunamis power that I want to, un, I just want to mention to you this morning as we get started on this journey of being those powerful people empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Power, uh, when it's referenced as dunamis in the New Testament, is an inherent power by virtue of one's nature. An inherent power, meaning there is something within you that because of who you are is powerful. And this, this is the, the word in, in this instance that is actually used in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents. And he's talking about each one is able to pay according to his own ability. The inherent power by virtue of one's nature. So it doesn't always reference the, the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 1... Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Another, another use of power says it is the power for performing miracles. And that's the power that many of us associate in Acts chapter 1, that it comes from this transformational power that is miraculous and supernatural. It's also power and influence, which belongs to wealth and riches. Power and influence Influence which belongs to riches and wealth. Think about that for a moment. You will receive power that belongs to riches and wealth when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is how this word gets used throughout other places in the New Testament. It's power and resources arising from numbers. In other words, something that would only be attributed to someone more than one is the power of many that comes through the presence of power through the Holy Spirit. Power and resources arising from numbers, from numerous people. And then I love this last one this morning as we round this out. Power consisting in or resting upon an army. That's power. You think about an army I think of power. I think of, I think of force. I think of a force to be reckoned with, right? In the realm of warfare when it comes to an army. And power is in the way of dunamis power references that kind of power consisting in or resting upon an army. There is no more powerful phrase or prayer that we as the church can offer to God than this one right here. Holy Spirit, come. The most powerful thing that you can pray as the church is Holy Spirit, come. You're inviting in the power and influence of wealth and riches. You're inviting in the power for performing miracles. The power uh, that arises from, from numbers. You're inviting in supernatural power. Holy Spirit, come. What would happen in your life, in your situations, in your circumstances, if you began to invite the Holy Spirit to come where you are? If you put yourself in a position 
to receive the gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? What would change? What would happen? How would life be different for you? Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit's presence in the people of the church is he's not going to force himself on anybody. I love the way my sister Charlotte says it. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to be rude. He's not going to be boisterous. He's not going to be a distraction. He comes where he's invited. He comes where he's welcomed. In Acts chapter 2, those disciples are hanging out in the upper room, devoting themselves to prayer. Yes, there was an element of preparation and concern for what was outside, but they knew because they had been told by Jesus to wait there. Do not go beyond here until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Many of you refer to that, that encounter as the day of Pentecost, right? Well, today in the church calendar is the observance of Pentecost. where The power of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon his people. I just wonder if we were to be those people, who we've been created to be. The people who not only have a connection with Jesus, but have been empowered by the Spirit of Jesus in our lives. You were made for more. Your life that you've lived up to this point is made for more. Are you ready and willing to receive that as a reality in your life? What I love more than anything else about our Father God is that He is a good and loving Father. And He is not a Father that withholds good things from His children. He, in fact, Scripture says He longs to pour out those good and perfect gifts over Him, His children, into His family. But He is wise enough to know when they're ready to receive them. Nobody knows your life better than you do except God. Nobody knows the life of this church better than we do except God. I just wonder what God's desire is for us this morning as we begin this journey together. I wonder what God's desire is for you this morning as a parent as a spouse as an employee as a neighbor as a friend as a stranger I wonder what God's plan is for us this morning as a church who comes together acknowledging that where we are, there he wants to be, and that in his presence we find the rest for which we've been created. That brings glory to him and good for everything around us. I wonder what would happen if we said, Holy Spirit, come. If we invited his presence into ours, acknowledging that we're inadequate because God doesn't compete with capable people. 
He equips them, supplies them. He is their source of life, of joy, of victory. What would happen in your life? Over the next few weeks, we're going to begin to dive deeper into this conversation of being the people for which God has created us to experience the supernatural journey of life together in His presence as we come together in ours.